Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. When Bennett was little, he was a very serious kid. Like everything. He looked like he had a constant scowl on his face, like trying to figure you out. And he'd give you a look, and you're like, oh my gosh, he's peering into my soul. Quit looking at me. He was a very serious kid, which made it very hard for him to enjoy anything. One of those things that kind of frustrated Bennett as a kid, because he just didn't understand what it meant to be a child, were bubbles. Yeah, bubbles. You know, the kind that you dip the soap thing, and you blow, and the bubbles come out. He even had like a little bubble lawnmower at one point. When he first was introduced to bubbles... He couldn't figure it out. I mean, he was a toddler. He could barely walk. But the frustration he would get when he would get so close to that bubble and he would grasp it and it would disappear. And then he'd go running after the next one and he'd grasp it and it would disappear. And you could just see kind of the, what is this wicked thing that is is taunting me? And he'd go and grab another one and sooner or later he just, his hands were soapy and there was nothing there. I think a lot of times that becomes a metaphor for our life. We're chasing empty bubbles that just pop in our hands and leave nothing but nasty residue. We're chasing after shiny things and things that catch our eye, things that are, look fun and, and that look promising, but when we go to grasp them, there's nothing. It's kind of like grasping smoke, right? You can't keep it in. Today we're going to look, as we continue our series now in David, at a passage of Scripture about a battle. But it's really less about the battle and more about the characters in the battle. Today we're going to look in 2 Samuel 2, and we're going to be doing uh, verses 12 through the end of the chapter, which is 32, but we're not going to cover the whole section. We're going to start at the beginning and then jump to the end. This is the battle of Gibeon. So 2 Samuel 2, and we're going to start with verse 12. I thought about being really cruel and asking someone to read this out loud. There are so many names in this section that are so hard to pronounce that I just wanted to laugh at someone. But then I thought, well, wait, I'm going to have to do this. We're not going to read the whole section, but we're, like I said, going to jump around. But it tells us something about this idea of grasping at air. Now, Abner, the son of Ner... And the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanaim to Gibeon. Now, some of you are like, okay, I don't know who any of that is. And it's been a month and a half since we've looked at David. So let me give you a refreshner. A refreshner? Let me give you a refresher on who this is. Actually, I'm going to do it this way. Does anybody know who Abner is? Are you refreshed? Anybody refreshed? All right, he is the son of Ner. Great. And if either one of our literary uh, teachers were in here, they'd be like, great use of context clues. All right, he's the son of Ner. Very good, Steve. Anybody else? Who is Abner besides the son of Ner? All right, well, well, all right, so I heard two things. Say it again. 
Saul's general and an armor bearer for Saul. He was Saul's right-hand man. Now, who was Saul? King. But not anymore because what happened to Saul? He died, right? And so that was kind of where we ended last time. Saul had died in this battle, and David had kind of been anointed by one group of Israelites, but then Abner, who was Saul's right-hand man, his general, took Ishbosheth. And who was Ishbosheth? And don't say the son of Saul. He was the son of Saul, but what had he become? He had become king by Abner. So Abner comes to him and says, Look, Saul, your father died. Ishbosheth, I want to promote you as king because you're the next in line, and I will be your general. So Abner's making a political and a power move by raising up Ishbosheth. But that wasn't God's plan because God had anointed someone else. He had anointed who? David. All right, so David has part of Israel following him. And Abner and Ishbosheth, as kind of a puppet, have a group of Israelites following them. It's a divided kingdom. It's a civil war. And so Abner goes out to Gibeon. And Gibeon is a strategic city that kind of sits on the border of both of these areas. To the south was where David and his people were ruling, and to the north is where Abner and Ishbosheth were ruling. And so they come to Gibeon. And Joab, now this is a fun one, the son of Zeruiah. Say that with me, Zeruiah. Okay, you said it wrong. Um, just kidding. <laughs> it's very hard to say. So, does anybody know who that is? Who is Zeruiah? Okay, this is very hard. If you knew this, I was going to give you like a brand new car. It's the, uh, sorry, I should have told you that up front. Um, it is the sister of David. So Joab is David's nephew. Joab was what else? Anybody know? Not only was he David's nephew, he was, yes, who said that? Oh, right there, okay, Matt. Yeah, so he was a military guy. And we find him in a list of these strong men of David in another section of Scripture, but he had become David's general. So Joab was to David what Abner was to Saul, and then Abner became to Ishbosheth. So really, Joab and Abner were the two generals of the two fighting factions. <clears throat> so Joab and the servants of David went out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, the one on one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. This was kind of like the OK Corral. Are you going to skin that smoke wagon? Sorry, had to say it. Does any, a couple of you guys know that reference, right? And Abner said to Joab, let the young men arise and compete before us. And Joab said, let's do it. Let them arise. Now, the word in the Hebrew for young men here is actually a technical word that means young trained fighters. So these are the youngest, strongest men 
of the two factions, and they said, let's fight a proxy war. Instead of like everybody joining in, we're going to put two groups together, and whoever comes out is the winner. Instead of going on this long battle, let's just get a group of guys together and let them fight one another. Verse 15, then they arose and passed over by a number, 12 for Benjamin and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and 12 for the servants of David. So Benjamin was the tribe that Ishbosheth and Saul came from. So there were 12 on each side, verse 16, and each caught his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in his opponent's side, so they fell down together. Therefore, the place was called Helkat Hatzarim, which is at Gibeon. And the battle was fierce that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. So they go out, 12 on 12, they all kill each other. It's such a fierce and nasty battle that once that's over and there's no declared winner, extended fighting commences. So we go from this proxy 12, no one wins, everybody's dead, it's such a slaughter and it's so graphic that they get angry and they begin to fight everybody together. This is a very raw and nasty moment. And we're told that Abner and the men of Israel, so Abner... Ishbosheth, Saul, that group was beaten badly, so they began to retreat. And the three sons of Zeruiah were there Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. Now, Asahel was as swift a foot as a wild gazelle, and he pursued Abner. Well, we're going to stop here, and I'm going to tell you the rest of the story because I don't want to pronounce all these names over and over again. So Abner takes off, group of people, his group is scattered, they're running, there is, they're, they're in full-on retreat, and one of the sons, <clears throat> one of the nephews of David, begins to pursue him, and he's the fastest one, and he's pursuing Abner, and Abner says, are you chasing me? Turn to the right or to the left, but quit pursuing me, but he continues to pursue him. And he's getting closer and closer to Abner. And Abner says, turn away from me and battle one of the young men and take his spoils. Don't fight me. Now, we're kind of told that Abner doesn't want to enrage Joab. He doesn't want to make this a problem for him down the road. But David's nephew continues to pursue So he allows him to get close, and without turning around, he takes his spear and pierces him backwards as he runs into him. And he kills David's youngest nephew. But Joab and Abishai, the man's two brothers, continue to pursue. And they pursue Abner until they come to a hill where Abner stops and turns, and he says to them, shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that the end will be bitter? How long will it be before you tell your people to turn from the pursuit of their brothers? And Joab, David's nephew, said, as God lives, if you had not spoken, surely the men would not have given up the pursuit of your brothers until the morning. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the men stopped 
and pursued Israel no more, nor did they fight anymore. It was the end of the, the skirmish. But the damage had already been done. Abner had already lost hundreds of men. And David had lost a nephew. Joab had lost a brother. And the one who murdered his brother killed him was Abner. And he killed, it and killed him in such a way that was not very honorable. He didn't turn and fight him. He let him approach and then he stuck his spear with the butt backwards and pierced him through. So it wasn't a very honorable kill. It wasn't man-to-man combat. It was more lying in wait or it was a trick. But here's the thing. Abner could have ended all of this. None of this had to happen. Abner and Ishbosheth and their fake kingdom, their faux kingdom, never should have been. Abner, of all people, saw what God was doing in Saul and in David. Abner, of all people, had the most information. But Abner, like a child trying to grasp a bubble, was grasping for power, for wealth, for esteem, for political placement, who knows what. We don't know all his motivations, but he was grasping for something that when he found it was empty and it led to nothingness and destruction. Anner didn't get the clues. He refused to see the signs. Instead, he continued to pursue his own desires. And it ended badly. Not for him yet, but it ended badly that day for the people that followed him. And it ended that day badly for one of David's nephews. Verse 31 ends this way. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin, Abner's men, 360. And they took Asahel and buried him in the tomb of his father, which was at Bethlehem. And Joab and his men marched all night, and the day broke up at Hebron. They went back home. But David's servants only lost 20. Needless deaths, needless horror, needless bloodshed, needless pain and suffering from those extended beyond those that had lost their lives, their families, their loved ones, their tribes. This was a scar. This was ugliness. And it didn't have to happen. But it was all because of one man's desire for power and control, for his will instead of God. And so Abner, like Saul, doesn't pay attention Abner, like Saul, refuses to see the signs. Abner, like Saul, clings, clings to or tries to cling to what he can hold on to. He tries to cling to power and wealth and fame and position and political power. And in so doing, he destroys not only himself, but others around him. And that's our lesson, isn't it? That if we don't listen, if we don't pay attention, if we're not reading the signs of God and pursuing Him, if we are doing our own thing and we're grasping for things out there 
that aren't really what God has for us, it's ultimately going to end up badly. Now, you might not get driven through with a spear. You might not have 360 of your closest friends murdered. But when we pursue and grasp the wrong things, it ends up being nasty and sticky and empty. Just like grasping soap bubbles. Because there's nothing in this life that can fulfill like the pursuit of God. There's nothing in this life for which we can grasp hold of that's going to give us satisfaction. That's going to help us become who we really were created to be. If Abner had just relented, if he had just said, you know what, you're right. I see that God's anointed David. This, that's our guy. Let's follow him. If he had said that from the start, this is a needless battle. This wouldn't happen. But all because of one man's desire. And that's what happens when we chase wrong things. Our desires end up destroying. Now, it might not be obvious to you, and it might have not have severe consequences, but when we pursue the wrong things, it always ends up breaking in our hands. So what soap bubbles are you pursuing? What shiny things have your attention? So much so that the pursuit of that becomes all-encompassing. What kingdom are you Abner for? Pursuing it at all costs. What kingdom are you trying to build for yourself that is outside the will and the work of God? I can't answer that for any of you because yours is different than mine. I know the things that I pursue, the desires I have that aren't in line with God's will. And that's a battle that I have to fight every day because I don't want to be Abner. <laughs> Abner survived this battle, and he survived by killing someone too. So in a, in a moment, he looks like he got through it, and it's okay, and everything's going to be fine. But his story doesn't end here. Because shiny bubbles not only pop in our hands, but they do leave a mess. But David and his men submitted themselves, said, we want to be about the work in the kingdom of God. That's what we want to do. Now, there's going to come a time in the not-too-distant future where David quits that pursuit, where David gets distracted by the shiny bubbles from a bathtub on top of a roof with a bathing beauty in it. But for now, he's in pursuit. Not of Abner, not of some false kingdom, not of some shiny bu uh, bubble that's going to pop, but of God and His will. And I think that's what we learn from this battle. I don't want you to suffer needlessly over the wrong pursuits.
But all too often, as a pastor and as a chaplain, those are the stories I hear. I hear when everything's gone bad. And almost always it's because of bad boundaries and bad pursuits. Don't go chasing bubbles. We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it, but put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.